Welcome to another episode of Disrupt. I'm home healthcare news reporter Patrick Filbert. Today we're diving into the world of self-directed care and its place in the larger home-based care world. We're joined by Ben Bledsoe, president and CEO of Consumer Direct Care Network. But first, a word from Home Care Home Base. Home Care Home Base helps our customers take the guesswork out of home-based care by providing the technology, services, and analytics required to care for patients across the nation. HCHB is more than an EHR. We provide solutions to the problems that keep providers up at night and help them get back to focusing on exceptional care. Organizations seeking to save time and money with a more centralized approach to agency administration need HCHB. Visit hchb.com to learn more. In today's episode, we're going to be chatting with Bledsoe about Consumer Direct, the misconceptions and value of self-directed care, what will change at the company now that Consumer Direct is going public, and the future of home care. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in. On this month's episode of Disrupt, we have Ben Bledsoe, the president and CEO of Consumer Direct. Ben, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. Ben, let's get kind of begin with your start in home care. Can you give us some insight on what drew you to Consumer Direct in the first place and chronicle this great rise through the organization that you've accomplished? Uh, yeah, it's been an exciting ride and uh, pretty proud of my own story, but also really what we've accomplished with the company. So I, I returned from the Peace Corps and I just got married and essentially uh, my wife and I moved to Missoula, Montana to, for her to go to graduate school. And I, I fell in with uh, Consumer Direct Care Network as a caregiver. Um, it was something you know, I felt like it was a uh, something beneficial for the world, you know, something that where you can make a difference. And caregiving really kind of stuck with me as as sort of one of those jobs in my life that are that you just kind of relate to and look back to and say, this was really a really great time and a fun job and, and something that um, I felt great about. So that take, took on that caregiving job with Consumer Direct Care Network and, and then found myself being asked to come in and do some, some office work, uh, really took to sort of the business side of it as well. So uh, went back to school to finish um, a master's degree uh, while I was working. And then uh, from there, moved to Arizona with Consumer Direct to help set up our Arizona operations. Three years later, moved from start our quality improvement department, started taking on other pieces of, of the business, uh, supervising some HR and risk and some of the companies. And the next thing you know, uh, our owners are, have decided that they would like to take a step back and um, put a management team in place. And they asked me to lead that team. And that was uh, a decade ago now. So it was a, a pretty quick rise in the company, uh, but it's something that, um, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm pretty proud of. At the same time, seeing all the growth of my company from the bottom to the top and sort of in and out, I think is really just gives me a, a different viewpoint of who we are as a company and the culture of where we, where we do work and, and how we can impact sort of personal care as a whole, self-direction as a whole. And, and um, yeah, it's just been really, really fun and, and I think a, a neat career to, to, to put my stamp on this company with. So yeah, there's my story. That's great. That sounds awesome. And before we get further into the conversation, can you explain to our audience what Consumer Direct does as a company? Sure. So Consumer Direct Care Network, we are an in-home personal care provider. And what that means is that we provide uh, activities of daily living or instrumental activities of daily living to people 
uh, to uh, people with disability and the elderly. So things like helping someone get up in the morning, bathing, dressing, grooming, out into the community, you know, anything uh, helping people live live the life they want. You know, somebody just like you and I, the activities that we take for granted uh, that get us up and, and out doing social things and being part of our community are things that we want to help people do every day. And it's something that uh, is sort of hidden and, and kind of maybe, maybe downplayed a little bit, but uh, organizations like ours are, are there uh, working with Medicaid and MCO and others to make sure that we support people that need help um, every day to get out and into their community. So what we do, uh, we do all models of personal care. Uh, there are several models here. So I'll explain a little bit about that because uh, I know it'll come up later on in the interview. I mean, traditional personal care is what most people think of, a pool of caregivers that we're going to send into people's homes. Uh, we are the employer and we hire and fire and schedule and kind of control those group of people. And then there's this other part uh, that's called self-direction. And we do traditional services at, at, at a smaller scale. But where we've really made the name for ourselves is in this uh, in the world of self-direction or consumer direction, hence the name of the company. So self-direction comes in, in a few different uh, models as well. But essentially what the philosophy here is, is that we want to put that control over the caregiver and that connection and a relationship uh, with the client or their representative. So there's a managing employer in place, whether they're the legal employer or just a managing employer where where we can act as the legal employer. But we put that philosophy of, hey, you know, you're the one that know how to best direct this care. You get to to recruit and hire and train and schedule the person that's coming into your home. So this idea of strangers coming into your house to do this very personal work that you have happen in personal care now is usually someone that you know or someone that you've recruited yourself, a neighbor, a friend, sometimes a relative, uh, someone in that vein. And we can be there to help as a company, make sure that uh, you meet all the requirements, both the worker and the client, eligibility for services, uh, that you stay compliant with the different pieces that we, we put in, fraud prevention measures, any, any number of things is what we do as the company. But in that self-directed model that's really growing fast right now is where we've made the na- a name for ourselves and, and you know, we can scale that in a different way. We can afford to pay caregivers a little bit more. It also saves some money for um, for the payers as well. So those are the sort of models, and but really, really boils down to it. We're helping people with disabilities and the elderly get up in the morning, get out in their communities, get fed, get dressed, uh, do do the sort of daily life that we all want to have in their in a community. And you already touched on it a little bit, Ben, but and it's obviously a unique model, but what is the value of self-directed care? Tons of different parts of value, depending on where you are in the in this network, in this community. So the, the biggest value of self-direction is in the control that you give to someone receiving services. So a client who wants to be more involved and more engaged in those day-to-day services or someone that, that they've assigned as the representative. You know, it could be a mom, it could be another friend that's sort of organizing that care, playing the role of the employer. And so when you have someone that's more engaged in those services, again, they get to make all those choices and live the life that they want to live. Uh, you know, they, they get to do it on their own terms. So you bring that engagement into play. It, it, it improves customer satisfaction. It improves longevity. It sort of keeps you up to speed with technology, any number of different values to keep those, those people in place. It also is a lower cost to taxpayers, you and I, uh, for the, for uh, being good stewards of the Medicaid dollar, which we do primarily Medicaid services. So lower cost to payers like Medicaid, like MCOs, like uh, the VA, any number of those services as well. And then finally, because of that lower overhead for us as a company where you know someone in the home is serving at that, as that managing employer, it's much more scalable. 
we can also pass on some of those those cost savings to to caregivers. So the low wage worker, that very important job of being the person who actually does the hands on work, we can usually afford usually afford to pay pay caregivers a little bit more and reward them for the important work that they do. What do you think are some of the misconceptions about self-directed home care in the larger home care industry? And kind of a second part to that is, do you expect self-directed care to continue to grow in popularity as people maybe get a better understanding of it? Yeah, great, great question. I think most most of the misconceptions and the one that that we battle back on in most cases, is, there is a perception that self direction comes with an escalated amount of fraud in in our services. Um, there's no evidence uh, to back that up, and, and in most cases, what people are thinking of when they think about fraud is a caregiver who is. Uh, logging out 15 minutes later or logging in 15 minutes earlier. Those are the kind of things that people start to look at and kind of point a finger at and wait, wag their finger at here and there. Again, these are low wage workers that are living paycheck to paycheck. And it's sort of a, of a moment where, okay, if we can put in controls for that, we will. And there has been some, some new tools come into place, electronic visit verification that started to eliminate that as well. But bigger fraud, I would argue, is more on those sort of systemic levels. And we've seen agencies, just bad players in, in different spaces do that work. And that's no different whether it's in traditional personal care or self-directed home care. So there's no real evidence on either on either place. And we are very, we're very aware of this perception. So we developed our own fraud prevention program. It's been in place for nearly a decade now. We've had caregivers who have decided not to work with us because they see some of our materials and you know they realize that we, we take it seriously. So we have tight connections with the Office of Inspector Generals in nearly every state we're in. Uh, we operate a toll-free number, any number of different fraud prevention techniques. We have our own fraud prevention video that we've developed. Anyway, that's sort of the one that we battle against the most. Uh, again, there's no real evidence that self-direction is is more wrought with fraud than any, any other type of service out there. And then on the second part of your question, do I think self-direction will, will grow? I'm, I am 100% certain that self-direction will continue to grow. It's been growing at a faster rate than traditional personal care. Well, I mean, just as a whole, personal care is going to grow. Where we have an aging population in the U.S., uh, we have uh, you know emerging needs and you know sort of this gap in income that exists in the in the country as well. So you know the eligibility for those services that are meant for for people with disabilities and the elderly and people that are low income. So we know that eligibility will be up there and then personal care as a whole because of that aging population. Then below that, we have the self-directed world that's grown in popularity and taking up a larger piece of that market share of of personal care. And so we see that over and over again. I can point to it on many of the of the charts and KPIs that I look at, you know, uh, customer satisfaction being number one, you know, we do all type, all models of service and every single time self-direction has higher satisfaction scores than, than traditional services. And that, I really believe that that comes back to that engagement of the client, the connection between caregivers and clients as well. And then finally, the, the growth there is, it comes down to workforce. And I'm hopeful to talk quite a bit about workforce today uh, because we have self-direction opens up a new doorway for that workforce. Uh, when you have people that typically wouldn't do this work in a different model of service, but they'll do it for someone that they know. So self-direction opens that door, brings those people in the workforce so you can so that you can staff it, you can do the work where a traditional agency may have a hard time recruiting at the rates that they're paying and, and again, strangers coming into homes. So yes, I know self-direction is going to grow. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Obviously, the the big news of you know the last few months, which we've covered on HHCN, is that Consumer Direct is going 
public through a merger with DTRT Health, which is a SPAC, which is a special special purpose acquisition company. Can you give us the background on how this deal came together? Sure. Yeah. Um, SPACs were new to me as well. Special purpose acquisition companies are new to me too. DTRT Health Acquisition Corps, they're a special purpose acquisition company, SPAC. They were formed with the specific purpose of finding a, a high growth a healthcare company that they could assist to take public, merge with and, and go public. And so uh, we, the the CEO of uh, DTRT Health Acquisition Corps is uh, Mark Heaney, who was the previous CEO of Addis Home Care. And so uh, it's a pretty small community of home care providers. So we know each other. I've known Mark for many years. He also is very familiar with some of our founders and uh, we have a lot of respect for Mark. So he uh, approached our founders, our our partners, and uh, and talk about this deal about what, what we could do. Um, you know, we for years have seen the need. At the end of this, we we've just had a, a steep growth curve, and then this past year we went through one of the largest implementations ever in the country, adding a, a new company, new program in the state of Washington. So we could see that at some point we were going to need we're going to need some help with our ambition, appetite, and and our continued growth on just by doing great services. Yeah, smells like it. And my next question, Ben, is is about, you know, the timing of it. And, and it, you already kind of touched on it already. Just, you know, Consumer Direct was seeing so much growth. But, you know, why was now the right time for Consumer Direct to go public? Yeah, so we had just finished this this um, large implementation in, in the state of Washington. So we had, we had grown pretty steadily for years and years. I mean, every year was sort of the, bigger than the last year. And and then when we hit this Washington implementation, it really um, it more than doubled our company. And seeing those capabilities and seeing how well, uh, you know, I'm really proud of what this team did to implement that that work. And at the same time, keep all the other programs we had going. Even before that, we had implemented some work in Virginia. For that, we were proud of the one. Before. It was just like every single one uh, just became uh, more and more capable. But there was a moment where, well, if we're going to keep this growth and we're getting a lot of accolades for that work that we're doing, seeing that we provide quality care and having clients and caregivers by and large be 100% satisfied, close to 100% satisfied. <laughs> There's always a few things we can, we can always improve on those things. But, but seeing that growth, it, it was time for us to look at how can we put together a more uh, strategic and longer term plan uh, using that capital, seeing what what it means for us in the future when we have sort of that positive ambition that we want to go forward. We see innovation coming into the space, uh, some real possibilities with technology and in, and our own internal systems that we've brought in for, you know, customized for our own uses. Uh, and I think there's just a ton of activity that would that help us say this is the time for us. At the same time, we have we have some some aging founders that are looking for, hey, what does this look like? What is my succession plan? At the same time, for me, I look at it and say, look, being a public company is really a benefit for when we go out there and try to bid on new business. We have uh, state agencies and MCOs that could look at us, could see, have that transparency that they always want to have about uh, how compliant we're being, about our financial status, about our stability, about our leadership. You know, those kind of things I think will help us uh, grow even further in, in the community. Right. That's, a, that's probably a great place to be. What will change about the company now that it is entering the public market? And maybe we can frame it in, you know, what do you think the biggest opportunities will be and then challenges that come with going public? 
the, the parts of going going public, I think there is some. I mean, obviously, we're we're always worried about holding on to the culture of what this what's made this company great. So I think those those are kind of things that that occupy a little bit of my brain space uh, at this moment, making sure that we make that smooth transition. And I think we have a really strong team to keep that intact to keep that same success that we've had going. But we just keep that moving ahead. We know what's made it successful. We we're we're all still here. We're all staying with it. So uh, keeping that going is something that that has me pretty happy. But but some of the challenges that I see really have to do with more of that the macro level of, of where it is. I know there's a potential recession, there's inflation happening, we just went through a pandemic, which is technically not over. I mean, all these sorts of things build up and kind of make me uh, a little reticent, make us all reticent, I think the entire US reticent about what those uh, what those markets will do. And looking ahead, Ben, where do you want the company to be in, say, three years or five years? Well, you know, we have our own internal strategic plan and those things kind of change on an, on an annual basis, but we typically put together a three and a five year plan. A lot of that has to do with with growth, you know, kind of growth and efficiency. And again, back to some of that company culture, we want we want to keep those same great things, the things that have made us a great company, keep those things in place and keep moving them and improving them. In the end, I, I believe we'll continue to to grow. I mean, the self-direction feels like it, it has a, a never-ending horizon in front of it. There's tons of opportunities ahead of us uh, from multiple states, again, from lots of managed care organizations, uh, several different stakeholder partnerships that we're really excited about that are coming up. Leading this industry has really been a, a target for us. You know, we've been we, we looked at some of our larger competitors and we look up to them for a long time. So uh, seeing them, learning from them and seeing where we are. And, and now I, I mean, we we've been I think we've been a leader for quite some time. And in this case, you know, we want to be the, the leader in self-direction. Uh, I think we are right on track to hit that right around the corner. So, um, yeah, I mean, that that's really where I see us continue to be public, continue to be a little bit more of that uh, acknowledged leader, the one that others maybe look up to, you know, that, those are the kind of places we want to go. But uh, again, super proud of where we are today. I can't imagine what uh, this team is going to be able to accomplish in, in the next three to five years. Been zooming out a little bit. And whether it's in self-directed care specifically or home care at large, what do you think are one or two problems that need to be fixed in the near-term future? Yeah, another great question. My number one within our industry is uh, has to do with workforce, has to do with, with caregivers. I mean, I think caregivers do physically, emotionally, and uh, mentally challenging work like I said, I, I did this work myself. I, it is very hard, but it's extraordinarily important. So having them do this hard work and, and then being asked to take on uh, new pieces of technology or uh, you know delegated tasks, all these sorts of things that, that we're, we're asking people to do in their homes, that's great. It offers a, a way for people to stay in their homes, opens up that ability for those relationships to stay intact, for, for natural supports or perhaps become paid supports. All those things are great. But in the end, these are folks that are making wages that are now are, are verging on um, on poverty wages. I mean, we're we're below below or competing with fast food and retail, and nothing against fast food or retail, but this is you know th- this is work that is a little more integral to someone's day to day life. So, working with states, and I've seen uh, in the last year, I've really been been happy with seeing different states and MCOs addressing this issue of of rates rates that are paid to agencies like us. Uh, which therefore become larger wages for caregivers. So working on that recognition for caregivers, uh, both financially, but also just in in a respectful way, 
in the U.S. as a whole, seeing this as a career, seeing it as a valuable part of a care team, seeing it as as something to celebrate, a, a work to celebrate. And that so that's a problem I see within our our industry is trying to make sure that you secure that workforce and and those grassroots people are uh, they receive the respect and the and the benefits that they should um it is, it is a hard job and so they're trying to get that that taken care of is, is sort of number one again seen lots of response uh since the pandemic i think it kind of brought that to the, to the forefront they were celebrated as sort of heroes and all these other pieces which is again that's great but so we've seen actually quite a few states come in with higher rates and kind of directly said no no th- these rates are meant for the caregivers so we've been able to pass those on um, in wages and benefits and otherwise, and again, work with lots of other stakeholders that have the same, uh, the same values and, and want to push those, those wages up. So, so that, again, that's, that's my number one, trying to push for those uh, respect for caregivers in the world. Definitely. Absolutely. And then finally, do you have any prediction for whether it's healthcare generally or home care specifically that you'd like to share that's just been kind of on top of mind for you recently? Uh, sure. I'm, I mean, I could, I can talk about this stuff all day. So uh, I'm going to postulate about where, where I think we're heading, but I do believe self-direction is, is, is growing. I think it will, will, is creeping up into, into this place where it is seen as a solution for lots of these challenges that are facing home care and maybe even healthcare as a whole. So, you know, self-direction again, affords that low, a low cost possibility for payers, meaning that we can, we can, fill in with more services, have more people receive those services, or perhaps pay pay caregivers a little more to fill that gap in workforce that we know we're running up against. So it, as a solution, I think self-direction kind of just creates a different scale. You know, when you can put some of those tasks on people in their homes, it, it just changes the game. So I think that that's a great uh, possibility for them. And then and then as healthcare as a whole, I think personal care has a, has a bigger role to play. The idea that, that caregivers can, can be a bigger part of of that uh, care team helping bring information in and helping us uh, perhaps even drive more toward better outcomes or helping identify how how can we do value-based purchasing in, in home care. And there's a lot of questions out there that I think home care and, and again, specifically uh, self-direction can start to open up in the world. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot that, w- that we can do with these services, and uh, I, I think they're I think we're underrated for for the value that we can bring as an agency, or or again, as those caregivers individually can can do work and improve the lives of the people that they're serving, but also improve the the work that we do as a as an agency that an MCO may do, that a state may do. I think they I think they they really should take a look at how these how, how caregivers or they will take a look at how caregivers can play a bigger a bigger role. Awesome. Well. This has been great, Ben. And before we go, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners at all? Uh, no, I just really appreciate the time. Yeah, check us out if you get a chance. Uh, we're at consumerdirectcare.com and appreciate the opportunity to speak speak with uh, Home Healthcare News and uh, appreciate the work that you all do. It's really a regular regular reader of, of, of your newsletters. And so, yeah, it's an honor to be here and appreciate the time and attention. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining Disrupt, Ben. I really appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disrupt. For more news and insights on the home health, home care, and hospice industries, subscribe to our daily or weekly newsletters at homehealthcarenews.com. I'm Patrick Philbin, and this has been a production of Aging Media Network, Chicago, Illinois.